Welcome to the Two Nutrition Gals in a Mic podcast with Kim and Suzanne. Kim is a registered dietitian and Suzanne is a certified functional nutrition coach. We're two nutrition professionals with a passion for educating folks about the power that diet and lifestyle choices have on our mental and physical wellness. Our goal for this podcast is to provide information about common and sometimes not so common health and wellness issues and provide a perspective that may differ somewhat from what we've learned from conventional medicine. It's pretty informal, sometimes a little goofy, but always informative. That we can promise. Keep in mind, though, this podcast is intended for informational purposes only. It's not meant to treat, diagnose, or replace medical care. That being said, let's dive into our next episode. Hi, everyone. Hi. Welcome back. We're we're on number six. Number six. Yeah. yeah. We're doing it. We we're just do- keep going. Yeah. It's we're getting, fun. It is getting fun. We're getting to be old pros, I'd say. Ish. <laughs> <laughs> we are having fun, though. We're not nervous before we record anymore, which I no. think is a big deal. But hopefully that comes across. Yeah. Yeah. I hope we sound a little more natural than we did in the first couple. Um, if I could just figure out how to get rid of that annoying click every time that happens, every time we pause, then... Oh. Then I'd feel a little better, but you know what? We're working on it. We're working on we'll it. We'll get there. And thankfully, you're working on it because if I had to work on it, it would be. <laughs> oh, but I'm like, I'm not getting anywhere, but I'm like a dog on a bone. So <laughs> it's all consuming to me. So rest assured, I'm hoping I will fix it soon. So uh, anyway, so today we're kind of gearing things to more so toward the ladies, more specifically, those ladies who would be closer to our age. Because we're talking about perimenopause. Yes. And it was a request from a listener. It was, yeah. So, hooray. Um, we have we have a listener, another <laughs> listener. It was a different listener that requested yeah, the last one, too, one. which yeah. is good. Um, we think it'll be helpful to talk about maybe some um, specific nutrients that are actually pretty effective solutions for some of the more common perimenopause problems that many of us experience. And also even into menopause, because I think that yeah. these these aren't necessarily limited to only perimenopause, but uh, but yeah, so um, so that's that's where we are today. Yeah. So Kim, what do you got? So I'll just first of all describe it. Tell us what perimenopause actually is. Um, it's like a really bad case of PMS. <laughs> really bad case of PMS and it goes on for a long time but and actually a lot of this info is also good for younger women too as similar hormonal changes happen during both you know PMS and perimenopause all those good stages that we go through yeah. as, as yeah. we as we age Right. So with both PMS and menopause, changes in estrogen and progesterone levels can occur, which leads to a cluster of irritating symptoms. Perimenopause actually means around menopause, and that's the time when your body makes the natural transition to menopause, marking the end of our reproductive years. Yes. So during this menopausal transition (laughs) or perimenopause um, the level of estrogen rises and falls unevenly uh, as does your progesterone and progesterone yeah yeah. is Um, affected 
And this causes your periods to change. So they can lengthen, they can shorten, they can, be, can become worsen, worsen, irregular. Um, and that's due to those changes in hormones. Mm-hmm. Your ovaries eventually will stop releasing eggs um, and you'll start skipping periods. And those are all signs of perimenopause. Symptoms of perimenopause. Very long. In case anyone who's in them or in it and doesn't know. Doesn't know already. Um, Here you go. Here here you go. (laughs) A little gift. Um, Irregular periods. Mood changes. uh, Vaginal and bladder problems. And this is due to... um, You lose tissue tone Mm -hmm. when your estrogen levels drop. Mm -hmm. And this also can cause pelvic floor dysfunction and can lead to those uh, bladder and vaginal problems, specifically leakage of urine. And that can kind of increase... When you sneeze or laugh or jump or... So those of you that aren't already experiencing that from childbirth, you can start to experience it. um, And totally normal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... Decreasing fertility, obviously. <laughs> um, changes in sexual function, loss of bone mass, so you're increased risk of osteoporosis, depression, fatigue, breast tenderness, cravings, acne and skin problems, water retention, yeast infections, anxiety, changes in your metabolism, which leads to weight gain and changing cholesterol levels. Um, so, fun times. Fun times, yeah. No, it's not fun. And and just so you know, how do we tell the difference between perimenopause and PMS? Because a lot of those symptoms are the same. Sure, and when you're at this age, um, and certainly before you kind of get into it, it's hard. You, how are you supposed to know that it's one versus the other? Other, yeah. Right? Um, basically it's menstrual regularity. So it doesn't necessarily mean like if you're into perimenopause, you may not be skipping periods no, yet, yeah. but they will be changing. Things so change. likely I think a lot of women, they get heavier, um, they might get longer, um, and they're even less pleasant. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, there are, it, it can, you can have less flow when you're in perimenopause. Um, but anyway, it, it's losing that regularity. So, and it's because of the changes, the fluctuations in, um, in the hormones, the, yeah, sex yeah. hormones, the, or the estrogen and progesterone are the two main ones. So right. yeah. And that's what it's, yeah. that's what brings it on. So, How do you know, like, so once you've gone through 12 consecutive months without a menstrual cycle, then they will say that you've actually, you're in menopause. So it can go on for years, this perimenopause. Um, Genetics will partially determine when you go start perimenopause, but also your overall wellness can determine when it starts and ends. And there we are. That's where we come in. That's where we come in. Because Because you can make a difference. If... You think, we're talking about reproduction here, and your body needs to be in a state that it could handle potentially getting pregnant, growing a baby, and giving birth. So if your health is not 
suitable to achieve a healthy pregnancy, then your body might put you into perimenopause. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, it is a natural... Maybe a little earlier. Earlier than maybe you might wise otherwise. So yeah. genetics, you know, it does play a role. So whenever your mother went into it, you know, it, it could influence that. But there are other factors that you can do to prevent it. Not prevent it, sorry. It's yeah. going no, to happen. You can never prevent it. That's not happening. <laughs> reduce the symptoms of sure. it. And you sure. maybe can reduce the length of time that you're going through it. Yep. So risk factors for early perimenopause or menopause is smoking. Oh. Um, quit smoking for many reasons, but for perimenopause. That could be one of yeah. them, yeah. Uh, family history, so we talked about that. Cancer treatments can throw you into menopause. Hysterectomy. That's, that's a big one. Yes. So You're pretty much into it as soon as that happens. Right. Um, and with a hysterectomy, it depends on whether it's a total hysterectomy, whether they've left your ovaries in your uh-huh. tubes. And, you know, even if they have left your ovaries, which is the organ kind of responsible for those estrogen and progesterone levels, you still will proceed into perimenopause and menopause quicker than if uh-huh. you hadn't had the hysterectomy. So if they take all of it, you're slammed. It's yeah. You're, in it. you're bang on. Yeah. And um, I I hear it can be very, very I've heard that almost as well. debilitating because it's all of a sudden and yep. you're into it too much at once. So the average age for someone to be in menopause. So the average age of someone to actually go 12 months without a period is 51. Again, it's variable. You could be 60 before that happens. Uh, it tends Good to Lord. start around the age 35. So people can look start maybe starting to notice some changes in their periods around 85. Or sorry, 35. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> and can end around 60. So that's a very wide range. So it, there's no way to predict, predict what your experience with this will be. So no, And everybody's different and yeah. everybody is different and um yeah and and that kind of the shape and health that you're in uh makes it plays a huge role in when and how long and all those and how severe right so realistically there aren't that many women on the planet who don't know or don't have an idea of what the symptoms are for perimenopause but uh i will say there are lots of them that don't realize that they're actually it's not a given it's not just because we're women we have we have to go through perimenopause we don't have to be miserable and so there are a lot of people that actually don't realize there are lots several really effective natural ways to help alleviate the symptoms that we experience of perimenopause the top way as you would expect from two nutrition gals <laughs> that we're going to talk about, is diet. Yeah. So I will hopefully dissect the diet part of this for you and help you uh, along that pathway. I just want to take one second and talk about weight gain during this period because that is one of the huge yeah, consequences of these hormonal changes. So... Um, Hormonal fluctuations um, are why we gain weight. And those hormonal fluctuations kind of make it easier for us to store fat. As cruel as that is, we store fat more readily when those hormones are all over the place. And as we age, uh, we lose muscle mass. So that's our muscle mass is 
metabolically active. So you're burning calories mm-hmm. with muscle than you are with fat. So that's another whammy. Inadequate sleep. If we need it anymore. If we need it anymore, right? So also inadequate sleep. So these hot flashes and night sweats and that can interfere with our sleep and lack of appropriate sleep can cause you to gain weight. And so during this period, the fat storage shifts from hips and thighs to the abdomen, which, you know, talks, increases metabolic syndrome. We talked about heart disease also can put you at risk of type two diabetes. So, um, paying attention to the diet can help prevent you from gaining weight as well. And it really isn't a given. I will tell you, I am in perimenopause I do not have very many symptoms, physical, not, I mean, not the obvious symptoms that everybody goes through, but I can tell you with 100% certainty, it is possible to change. It is not inevitable that you will be miserable going through this. Yeah. There's lots of things you can do. Yeah. And I just want to caution people that might be going through this and maybe they are noticing they're putting on a little bit of weight. Um, Using a very low caloric diet is not the way to go because what happens then is your body just turns to muscle for its sources of energy um, so you lose muscle mass and it also will contribute to a decline in your metabolic rate so don't um, recommend you do highly restrictive diets at this time no Um, use dietary restraint instead watch your portion sizes and then eat um healthier foods which i will elaborate more on here but i probably can guarantee you it's nothing you haven't heard already right or that we haven't said in every other right episode Um, also i just i read something that i thought was quite interesting and it was women who lost 10 percent of their body weight were more likely to reduce the frequency or eliminate altogether hot flashes and night sweats. So, again, going back to that healthy weight to try and achieve those healthy weights to eliminate or decrease the severity of these symptoms. So, all right, let's talk about food. So, because of the risk of bone loss and osteoporosis, uh, getting enough vitamin D and calcium. Uh, not going to go into that too much because no. we have a whole episode on yeah, vitamin do, D vitamin that you D. can go back to and listen to. But uh, making sure you're eating or supplementing vitamin D. Healthy fats. And again, we talked about healthy fats. We did two episodes on that. Yes, are critical to reducing some of these symptoms, uh, specifically omega-3, which is our anti-inflammatory fat. Um, it can decrease the frequency of hot flashes and the severity of night sweats. So kind of those things I talked about leading to decreased sleep. Mm-hmm. It's also really, fats can also actually help you to lose weight. Um, it's, yeah. it's a whole Compli- complicated yeah. metabolic thing, but just understand that they're, they're not, as Kim said, they're not bad. No. They're, and we tried to kind of hit that home as much as we could in the fats episodes we did. But they're really, really, really important, yeah. especially at this time yeah. of life. The right fats. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so where do we get fat? healthy fats from? Fatty fish, mackerel, salmon, anchovies, flax seeds, chia seeds, hemp seeds. Um, avocado. Avocado, olive oil. Nuts and seeds. Yeah. Yeah. Other seeds that you've already yeah. said. Um so that's number two is healthy fats. Number three is whole grains. So make sure you're getting enough fiber and whole grains are rich in vitamin B. Um, 
Fiber will also reduce the risk of heart disease, cancer, and premature death. So lots of reasons yeah. why. If you needed any more reasons. To include whole grains, so things like brown rice, whole wheat bread, mm-hmm. barley, quinoa, rye, um, lots of different ones, too many to name here, but mm-hmm. um, whole grains. Number four, fruit and veggies. You'll hear that over and over and over and over again, but it's true. Those are uh, super important. Really important. Yeah. Uh, women saw 19% reduction in hot flashes when their fruit and vegetable intakes rose. Um, cruciferous vegetables uh-huh. in particular may be helpful for menopausal women. And those are um, agrugula, bok choy, broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, cabbage, kale, radish, rutabaga, turnips. Those are especially important because they help get the excess estrogen out of your body. And again, that there's the that kind of ties into the imbalance that you have. So yeah. it helps to balance yeah. everything out and make sure that what's not needed gets eliminated from your body. And just a side note, broccoli uh, was linked. So estrogen can come in different forms. And then as it breaks down the... There's several forms of estrogen. Yeah, actually, three or four of them, I think. Yeah. Some of them are better than others. Well, broccoli Mm. decreased the levels of the type of estrogen that is linked to breast cancer and increased the levels of the estrogen that protects against breast cancer. Yeah. So, another reason to eat broccoli. There are really, that's a really important vegetable. It is. You know, and I think broccoli broccoli sprouts are another one that um, I. I'm on a kick of broccoli sprouts right now, but again, cauliflower is another yeah. really I think Brussels sprouts would be probably sprouts, good yeah. with that as well. Yeah. So yeah, those are super important all the time, but they're definitely important now at this stage or at the, whether you're, I say now because this is where I where am, we are, yes. but, um, but yeah, during a perimenopause stage of life, vegetables, especially those ones are really super good. Um, also, apples, celery, dates, pomegranates, and berries are all um, foods that are shown to help reduce symptoms of perimenopause. Mm-hmm. So High in phytoestrogens. So they work to, they work with the estrogen that you have in your body, as opposed to against or add to it or make it yeah. kind of at levels that you don't want them. And it's well known that fruit and vegetable consumption lowers your risk of high blood pressure and mm-hmm. cardiovascular disease and weight gain. Again, so. healthy foods. Yep. Yeah. Uh, quality protein. So decline in estrogen is linked to decreased muscle mass and bone strength. So uh, pre-menopausal, the recommendation is 0.8 grams of protein per kilogram. When you're menopausal, it goes up to 1 to 1.2 grams of protein. Mm-hmm. And that's good quality protein, so maybe not bacon or chicken wings, <laughs> but like fish, white meat, lean red meat, eggs, legume, dairy. Grass-fed. Um, yeah, organic, non-GMO, yeah. Um, you know, whatever you can do to reduce yourself to some of those things that might make your symptoms worse. So those are just a brief outline of the foods that we're recommending that can help with these symptoms. Mm-hmm. Again, likely nothing you've never heard before. But important to point out. Yes. And just quickly, foods to avoid. Sugar, refined carbs... Alcohol and caffeine, Mm -hmm. which can increase the severity of some of those symptoms. Some people say spicy foods. 
Really? That's an individual thing. Oh. But there was some some reports that spicy foods increase the night sweats and hot oh, flashes. Yeah, well, that makes whether sense. Whether or not. And then other people didn't find that. So yeah. that was just um, food you're sensitive to. Definitely. Which you may need help finding out what those foods are. But we can certainly help you with that if you want to fire us a a note or something but that's a whole podcast in itself yes that's a whole big um high salt foods that in you know mostly through processed foods we're talking about because of the risk to your high blood pressure and cardiovascular disease so you're already at higher risk just because you've gone into menopause so you don't want to add to that risk by eating the wrong foods exactly so for those of you that uh, might want to look up a diet that might be good mediterranean diet is Excellent. a good one and it's because it's very high in omega-3s and yeah. fish and lean proteins and veggies so very anti-inflammatory which helps in every situation have a look at that diet if if you need some more guidance on what what you want to eat um perfect yeah i think that's great yeah so and then now we talked about diet and diet and exercise exercise will be you know Suzanne, Suzanne's going to chat about that. Yes, Kim. So it may not be what you want to hear, but exercise, everything they tell you about exercise is actually true, and then some. Mm. And it's a great way to ward off some of those pesky perimenopause symptoms. It it doesn't have to be running a marathon or, uh, you know, killing yourself at the gym, but just walking at a good pace, 20 minutes, four or five days a week will do the trick. Although I try to recommend to all of my clients to try to get outside at least once a day, Yeah. but your focus doesn't have to always be, you know, you, your focus on walking or doing something to get your heart rate up five days a week is, is kind of what you want to do relative to these symptoms and when you're working up a sweat it helps your body to process and eliminate toxins better so just generally speaking for anyone that's going to be a good thing Um, so moderate exercise can lead to better functioning of hormone systems and reduces stress which that's been scientifically proven over and over again stress Exactly. Uh, it can help lower estrogen dominance, lowers your cortisol, which is where stress comes in again, and also supports your bone health. Um, some some good, besides walking, if, if you don't like walking, my children, several of them tell me how much they hate walking, uh, HIIT training's a really good one, and that's something that Kim and I have actually been doing with some of our friends uh, and getting really great results yep. for a relatively not a low effort, but it doesn't take a whole lot of time. No. It's not difficult to fit in. No. Um, rebounding is another one that I've been loving over the last couple of years, and I just started to get Kim into it. It's like going um, back to your childhood, yeah. jumping on the trampoline. Yeah, it's incredibly satisfying to bounce yeah. up and down. Um, but it's it's jumping helps move and stretch every cell in your body. Uh, so yeah, very gently, yeah. very gently with, without, and it also, again, like I said, it's satisfying. So it's helping your body physically, but it also is, it's helping your mind. Um, and it helps to move the nutrients into the cells and it helps to get your lymph going. I actually wrote a blog post about moving lymph and how important it is for health. So it's also great for your bones. It's a great bone builder. So, mm. which is, as Kim pointed out, super important at this stage in life. 
So it's really important to make a point to get move your body. You just you really have to move your body, and it's it's especially difficult, I think, at our age too, or at this point in life, because there's always something else to do. Always, it's always easier not to do it, but you will. I can guarantee you will notice a difference yeah. if you start it and you do it consistently. It will help, um, and if not only the the symptoms that we're talking about, it just will help your overall health and health, well-being. Yeah. So it's an important thing to do. And it's also a really important thing to, um, if you have, especially if you have daughters, I mean any children, but also for daughters to teach them that this is what they should this should be a part of their lives. You know, Work moving. it into your routine. Absolutely, doesn't have to be an hour. No, twenty minutes. No, but but really, if you're if you're not doing it, then I think you're missing out on a very large part of ways that you can improve your quality of life in oh, general. Definitely, certainly during this phase. Yeah. Diet and lifestyle recommendations are more general. So now we're kind of going to shift gears a little bit. And talk about some specific nutrients that are especially helpful to alleviate symptoms of perimenopause. Um, magnesium is the top one that I'm going to, or the first one I'm going to start with. It is an amazing nutrient as it can help with many of the more common pesky perimenopause symptoms that we experience either just on its own or also it help it works together with some of the other items that we're going to talk about a little later interesting to note is that many of us especially women are low in magnesium which may explain why so many of us have these troubles when we go through this stage in life it's a cofactor in over 600 processes in the body so it's super important for everyone actually not just the perimenopausal ladies out there. Uh, it's been referred to as a super mineral, uh, but also referred to as a hormone rescuer. And I actually wrote a blog post about why it should be every woman's favorite mineral because of its effectiveness in allevi- alleviating such symptoms as uh, anxiety and depression, foggy brain, concentration, memory loss, uh, mood swings, irritability, nervousness, sleep issues. It's really great for all sleep. Those lovely symptoms. Yeah, all the wonderful things. Uh, and it's especially effective to uh, alleviate muscle cramps or restless legs, which which is a huge is a big deal yeah. I, or a big problem. I've had it is a big problem. And yeah, it really disrupts your sleep. Absolutely. Yeah. Which again turns into all of the other, a lot of the Snowball other problems effect. that we have. Yeah. So everything is all so tightly connected when it comes to this. So how does magnesium do all these wonderful things? Uh, well, the bulk of the sy- symptoms, as we've already alluded to, for perimenopause and for that matter, PMS and menopause, are caused by fluctuating levels of estrogen and progesterone and an imbalance between these two hormones. So magnesium plays a role in production and regulation of these hormones, uh, which is why it can be effective in alleviating some of the things that result because of them. It also plays a role in preventing excess cortisol, which I'll talk a little bit more about later, but that is where the stress piece comes in. Um, increasing insulin sensitivity and also helping to promote production of the thyroid hormone. 
So these are all critical factors when it comes to regulating these paramount menopausal. I'm having trouble with that word today. Yes. <laughs> it's a long word to say over that and over word again. That word that shall not be spoken. Right, right, or spoken properly. Um, when it comes to regulating the perimenopause symptoms, it's, it's, a, it's a big help. Uh, a few more reasons why you might want to love magnesium. It can help to slow the aging process, and it does so by reducing oxidative stress because it pr- promotes the production of glutathione in the body. And just a quick note, glutathione is an antioxidant that's especially helpful for detoxification. Um, antioxidants offer protection for the cells from damage caused by free radicals, which are generated by normal metabolic processes in the body. But free radicals can um, lead to, they can cause tissue damage, which can lead to diseases like heart disease, cancer, and other health issues that are pretty serious, many of which Kim described that we're, or pointed out that we're at higher risk to get at this point in our lives. Um, It's Another bonus of uh, magnesium is that it uh, plays a critical role in the absorption of vitamin D. And from our first episode, yeah. all about di- vitamin D, we know how important it is at any time, but especially during a pandemic and right. helping our immune system. Yeah. Another thing, so psychology today has called my magnesium the original chill pill. <laughs> I like it. Yeah, it's awesome. Because it helps to, it can help calm overstimulated muscles and nerves, so the restless leg. Yeah. But it's very uh, calming to the body, you know, when you're when you're kind of worked up or stressed. And find me a woman during perimenopause or any stage for that matter who couldn't use a little help with calming, calming right? Yeah. Right, sleep and anxiety yeah. or, or restlessness. Um. So it, it acts as a sedative in the body. And so it's really effective for getting rid of that edginess that like, women in general, I know I spent a lot of years feeling a little edgy, edgy when, I, yeah, when you're too. dealing with all yeah. of the things. But it's it's one of the symptoms that I've heard several people talk about developing at this point in their lives. So um, some women who just didn't experience a whole lot of that that edginess or anxiety younger in in their younger years i've heard them say that it's now developing at this point in life so magnesium is really great for it's a great remedy for that and thankfully it's also a nutrient that's pretty easy to find in good amounts in foods that we eat things like leafy greens uh seeds and tree nuts spinach uh, black beans, nettle, kelp, and even sea salt. Also, taking a bath in Epsom salts can increase the magnesium levels yeah, in your body. Actually, I and your garden. So, if you're growing oh. fruits or veg, or vegetables or you know in the ground, if you add Epsom salts to the soil because It'll of the increase the magnesium yeah. in your food. See, that's brilliant. Um, so yeah, so when you soak in an Epsom bath, it's great for your sore muscles, but it's also your body will absorb it through the skin. So it's another uh, bonus for, or another benefit of, of magnesium and an easy way to get it. Magnesium is one of those nutrients that I think uh, supplementation is something to consider because it builds up, it'll help build up the tissue levels faster than just with food alone. I actually take magnesium 
I use it for restless leg and also helps me relax before I go to bed. Um, just make sure that if you're going to do that, you want to talk, to, as everything, you want to talk to your doctor before you yeah. look into that sort of thing. And you also want to make sure you're taking the right form because there are many different forms and there are forms that are better uh, for your body and also more bioavailable so it absorbs better and your body can use it better. But I, it is something that I think many folks would would benefit from. Um, just make sure that you consult somebody yeah. like pharmacist or myself or, or yeah, no, yeah pharmacist. Yeah. Well, somebody who knows especially yeah. can check things like interactions with medication and uh, and that's true of any of the nutrients that we're talking about now or any other time. Yeah. You want to make sure that you're doing that. So, uh, yeah, so that's all I have about magnesium. So the second nutrient we're going to talk about is the B complex. So when we the say big one, B complex, there's nine B vitamins. So a B complex includes all nine. That's what B, we mean by B complex. More bang for your buck. More bang for your buck. <laughs> Water-soluble vitamins. So it's reasonably safe to take. Uh, you don't have to worry too, too much about toxicity or, you know, if you're taking a supplement. Uh, B vitamins play a role in breaking down the nutrients in our bodies so that we can use them. So if we're eating a healthy diet, which if you are, you're probably eating a fair a amount. Supply. of Yeah. Sure. But, you know, if we're, we're putting the healthy food in but we're short on the b vitamins and we may not be able to use all aspects of that food that is beneficial to us so we need uh those b vitamins to use the good things in the food we eat um it also helps regulate hormone levels Um, our liver uses b vitamins to metabolize hormones so you know, we're, this whole perimenopause thing is about hormonal changes. So balances and yeah. imbalances. Obviously, if there's something we can eat that will help manage those hormone fluctuations, it uh, will help be helpful in minimizing the symptoms of those hormonal fluctuations. For sure. Um, it also plays a role, vitamin B, in um, converting excess estrogen into a useful form. Again, very complicated, um, but we talked about the different forms of estrogen and how some are more beneficial than others. So vitamin B plays a role in converting that estrogen. And again, it's that fluctuation in estrogen that is causing these symptoms. So if we can control that... Help mitigate that, then we're ahead of the game. Exactly. And for those of you that have ever been on the birth control pill, um, you're likely depleted in B vitamins, so you're probably going to want to take a supplement. Um, Just kind of a side effect of taking those birth control pills. B vitamins build our immunity, uh, tames inflammation, so... um, there's that word again. There's Inflammation that word. It keeps coming up. Causes disease and illness and uncomfortableness. Symptoms and of perimenopause. Absolutely. And, yeah. It's B vitamins support detoxification, which is also very important. And it helps balance our mood. So our mood, we talked about being a problem. It can be a problem for some people in perimenopause. So the B vitamins will help combat those 
mood disorders. Feelings like you could punch somebody or yeah. <laughs> want to. Depression. Yeah, throw uh, something. Lots. Just even the mood yes. swings, which absolutely we get a bad rap about. We do. Like it's the, not fair. No, no. Um, so where do you find B vitamins, uh, meats, poultry, fish, eggs, legumes, leafy greens, and seeds? So it's actually not hard to find them. No. But sometimes it can be hard to eat enough. Enough, yes. You might have foods. to eat a lot. So yeah. again, That's you might consider a supplementation. Um, likely not going to be toxic with that. But, you know, as Suzanne said, you should make sure it doesn't interact with any medications you might be taking. So, yeah, eat your B vitamins. Eat your Bs. And, That's- yeah, so Suzanne's going to follow up with a specific B vitamin that... Um, we need more of than the other B complex. So B6 is uh, a B vitamin that's been referred to as every woman's guardian angel. And the reason for this largely is due to its almost superpowers in helping to alleviate things like water retention, bloating, skin troubles, anxiety, and depression. And I can tell you that I've suffered from every single one of those for sure. Um, it increases the synthesis of, of dopamine. So that's kind of where it comes in to play in mood stuff. Um, mood stuff. That's my technical term. <laughs> Symptoms. Um, but irritability, even nervous tension. Um, B vitamins have, have a big role in uh, brain function. So the B6 is especially good for that. Um, it It... Reduces estrogen levels and elevates progesterone, so it's that helps with the estrogen dominance falling into again the detox and all that stuff that Kim had been talking about with the B complex. Uh, B six is necessary for normal secretion of serotonin. Again, you've got mood, sleep, yeah. pain, appetite. Serotonin is a is a um, really important uh, neurotransmitter. Yeah. Uh, B6 can help improve memory. And I've heard, I haven't had that issue yet, but I've had a lot of people tell me, yes, that it drives them up the wall, that they are forgetting things that, that they don't feel that they should be forgetting. Uh, it's even linked to carpal tunnel syndrome, which I thought was, that's interesting. Yeah, was interesting. Um, so yeah, so if you're, if you're low in vitamin B and you, sorry, B6, and you've had carpal tunnel, that could there could be a link there. Uh, and if you know anyone who's pregnant, B6 can actually help control nausea and toxemia during pregnancy. Wow. So that's good to know because that it's is. something you can take, I guess Kim it's said, safe. it's safe. Um, it, you're not going to store it in your body, but if it can help control those awful feelings of nausea during pregnancy, that would be a big help. So food sources of B6 include avocados, banana, uh, fish, green peppers, kale, legumes, meat, poultry, spinach, and sunflower seeds. We're repeating the same foods over and over again, aren't we? Absolutely. Again, because they're the top health-containing or nutrient-containing foods. Right. Um, If you're taking a B-complex... Um, you, you may have enough, but I say B6 as a separate, um, kind of category or we've, we've put it in a separate category because oftentimes in a B 
complex, the amount of B6 isn't as much as you need or right. it's not high enough. So, yeah, you need more than what you sometimes will get, depending on what you what you pick or what you're taking as a B complex. Uh, and also, it's important to note that the B vitamins should be taken together um, you because they kind of affect each other's absorption. So you don't want to just take B6 ever. If you're taking just the B complex, that's one thing, but you don't want to take B6 by itself without so all the, the others. So take B6 with your B complex. Absolutely, for sure. All right, we're done with the B vitamins and we're moving on to zinc, which, like you mentioned earlier, Suzanne, it's we were talking earlier and it's not one of those ones people oh, yeah, no, really talk not. about or are aware of, but zinc is a mineral that, you know... Can be very effective for helping Yeah, symptoms, yeah. So... Balances estrogen. Wow. There we go again. Haven't heard that. Haven't said that yet today. And it increases our progesterone levels. So those are the hormones. Uh, We already spoke about the symptoms being related to hormone fluctuations. So zinc will help balance that. Sparks our immune system. Always a good thing. Yeah. We want our uh, immune system firing on all cylinders to fight whatever it needs to fight. Um, It's good for everyone, not just perimenopause yeah um it's also plays a role in bone health because zinc aids in the absorption of vitamin d and uh, vitamin d is critical to our bone health um you can listen to our vitamin d episode again, <laughs> again. If, if you uh want in case to you hear, missed it or you want to hear more yeah yeah more um so yeah that you know bone health we know is one of the Decreasing bone health is a symptom of perimenopause. So, you know, anything we can do to prevent that um, will be helpful. Yeah. So, um, and if your zinc levels are low, you're more likely to experience those perimenopausal symptoms. So the higher your zinc levels are, the less severe or less symptoms you may encounter altogether. So um, being, if you're a vegetarian, you need to be aware of this mineral because there are not very many plant sources of food that contain sufficient amounts of zinc. So you might have to look at supplementation if you are a strict vegetarian, vegan especially. Yep. Um, some vegetarians will eat eggs and some animal products. Yep. But so it's important to remember that if you're vegetarian or vegan and are going through some of these yeah. symptoms or experiencing them kind of in a higher, at a greater severity, then zinc is probably your should be one of your go-tos yeah. for this time yeah. in life. Um, so foods that are high in zinc, we kind of already said that it's mostly animal-based foods. Right. But red meat, chickpeas oh. are higher. They're not as high as an, an animal, animal base. Yeah. Um, oysters, mm, poultry, some nuts and seeds have a little bit more in it than, you know, other vegetarian sources. But... Yeah, those are a few food things that you can increase in your diet to increase your zinc. Awesome. Um, yeah. So next, what's next, Suzanne? Well, now I got a big one. I hope everybody's paying attention for this one. So this one can help reduce the severity and frequency of hot flashes. Ugh. Should I say that again? No. Yeah, I'm just yeah. <laughs> say it again. So this, what I'm talking about, I'm talking about vitamin E. Um, and it is quite effective at a dose of even 400 
IU, international units. So it's one that uh, many people will take. Just, I mean, you can get it from food, but it's it's got that uh, bonus of the mo- one of the most well-known or, or highly experienced symptom, would you say? Mm. Hot flashes? Yeah, hot flashes. I mean, that's the first thing I ever think of when it comes to the menopause or the yeah. change, right? That usually affects your sleep. Right, right. Oh, but it, everything, right? Everything, your irritability. Yeah. You yeah. want to tear the hair off of somebody if, if <laughs> yeah. you're, when you're going through them. So, yeah. um, so hot flashes, again, are due to decreased estrogen. And it's believed that vitamin E acts similarly to estrogen in the body. So it's almost like a natural hormone replacement and relatively safe. Now it is a fat soluble vitamin, yeah, yeah. so you will store it a little bit more, but, um, but there have been, I mean, you can look it up. There have been so many studies or, and women that have benefited, um, from just that one gel cap of vitamin yeah. E per day. It's not that you can't supplement it. You just it's like vitamin D. You have to be right. a little more careful. Yeah, you're but not again, overdoing it. You've got to get really. It has to be really high before you need to worry about it. But the fact that it can have such a small dose can affect or can help such a huge problem, I think, is is reason to reason to dance. Um, so besides that one, it can also help greatly with itchy, dry skin that many women get as they get closer, I think, to menopause more so, but varicose veins. So varicose veins are actually a sign of low vitamin E. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Did not know that. No, I didn't know that either before this research. Um, helps with vaginal dryness, decreased libido, and age spots. So those are, again, big deals at mm. this point in our lives. Uh, it can also help along with the omega-3 fatty acids to prevent blood clots related to estrogen hormone replacement therapy. So uh, that's, I mean, obviously we're more into the natural remedies, but some women absolutely need it. And if they need it, there are some definite um, risks associated with it. So vitamin E has been linked to helping reduce the risks risks of taking the the hormone replacement therapy. I thought it was pretty cool, though, that it acts as, it acts very similarly to estrogen in the body. Yeah, for sure. And and I think, I mean, it's important to say that, you know, people that take medications, even though that's not the focus of our podcast, um, you know, it's okay. You some people need it. Absolutely, quality of life. Absolutely, those types of things. Um, My deal know. is just to try to help people get to a point that there are options, with, right? That maybe or you understand might want to, yeah. that you don't necessarily have to do that, or there are, are things that you can do alongside yeah. of those therapies. Yeah. Um, so, uh, vitamin E also helps to work with those awesome B vitamins to soothe the nervous system. And that's, as we've said over and over again, it's, it's a, certainly a huge problem or a huge play, comes into play in uh, perimenopause. Uh, so foods that are naturally high in vitamin E include eggs, leafy greens, uh, nuts, nut oils, and again, seeds. Mm. So it's almost like those are those foods that, like you said, we yeah. keep saying over and over again. Um, but I also do think... It's either we can't eat enough of them to get our levels where they need to be to actually be effective, or the quality of the food that we have isn't necessarily 
high, mm-hmm. yeah. in, especially in this time of year, too, yeah. right? Because the longer things are harvested yeah. between yeah. well between harvest and eating them, yeah. the lower the nutrient value. So, yeah. um, if you're so for me, I actually other than the green leafy greens. Um, I have trouble digesting eggs, nuts, and seeds. So uh, a supplement for me is is a good idea. But again, you want to check with your healthcare person yeah. or um, or doctor, whomever, before you start it. But it is something that a lot of women have had great results with. And and like you said, night sweats are or hot flashes, night sweats, those things. They they have such a um, uh, an Impact. effect, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's and it's well, like a radiating effect. It's embarrassing. I've been aspects. in meetings where women have had a hot flash and have literally had to get up and leave the room because it's they're so uncomfortable. They can't, yeah, so they can't it's not. It, it is. You think a hot flash? What's a big deal? It, it can be a big deal. Imagine having a hot flash and sweating profusely that you have to go to your office and change your clothes. Absolutely. Yeah. I've been lucky that I haven't had, yeah, I haven't had any issues. But yeah. I've had people say, too, that they'll come, they can almost bank on what time of the day they're going to come, how often. But they, some people will say, like, in an hour meeting, they'll have them yeah. two or three times. Yeah. So, I mean, if, if nothing else, aside from being embarrassed, that's like torture. Yeah. Right? So you're you're stress level or irritability level is already elevated typically and then you have that happening well again no wonder we struggle with so many of these things so um so yeah so vitamin e is is uh, a good one one to add to your list for sure and finally vitamin c so um, this is one I love. I, I cannot say enough about vitamin C. I'm well, and it's uh, water-soluble, so it's safe. Yep. Um, as far as, you know, you're not going to become toxic in vitamin C. Right. It, it, again, like we said, it may interact with medications, so you still have to check. But And it's relatively easy to get from our diet. Um, it's an antioxidant, so it neutralizes those free radicals that Suzanne was talking about earlier. But it's depleted quickly uh, when under stress, stress. and it supports our adrenal health. So those two are linked, and um, so sufficient vitamin C will help neutralize some of those consequences of stress and uh, adrenal fatigue, Mm -hmm. which is very common in so many people. And again, it's a whole podcast on itself, adrenal (laughs) fatigue, but... Most people probably are have some level mm-hmm. of adrenal fatigue just by the nature of just our day to day lives. So yeah. vitamin C can help support your adrenals um, and levels of stress. Yep, it's important too with vitamin C uh, as as the other um, vitamins, water soluble soluble vitamins too. But vitamin C is good to take kind of throughout the day so if you have a dose or a level that you'd like to be don't it's not a good idea to take it all, all at, at once. once it's a good one to separate spread or out. spread out throughout yeah. the day so then that way you're getting the more absorption yeah, likely absorb if, better if you dump and, all that in at once it's only going to absorb what it can absorb yeah yeah so exactly spread it out um vitamin c helps with our food cravings which can be intense during this period mm-hmm. of time mm-hmm. so you know if you've got a sugar craving or something like that increasing your vitamin c can help reduce that um and it helps more balances hormones oh there's a shocker <laughs> yeah so again there we are again um citrus fruit so 
Yeah, I mean, oranges, grapefruit, yep. um, great high levels of vitamin C in it. Um, also, peppers, mm-hmm. potatoes, berries, broccoli. I was going to say broccoli. I, I yeah. was surprised at that one. I think most fruit, fresh fruit and veggies would have a significant amount of vitamin C in yep. it. It is one that you can, you know, get a fair amount from your diet. And um, if you're still, you know, maybe having symptoms, you can start taking a supplement with little concern for any side effects which is nice that's nice to know i actually use a powder that i put in my smoothie every day so um again it's easy for me to get it it's easy for my kids to get it when they drink the smoothie and they don't even know it's there although vitamin c supplements tend to taste a little better yes they do some of the others i mean people have been talking about vitamin c supplementation for for colds yeah that's that immune support so sure and again antioxidant and yeah yeah so that should be an easy one to get enough of. So um, that kind of sums up the vitamins and minerals that we've identified as being particularly important for perimenopause. For perimenopause. And they work, actually, they to, will work individually, but they do enhance each other. Each other. They're better and together. They do. They work well together specifically for, I mean, they, they work well for all kinds of reasons as we've um kind of indicated some other reasons other outside of, of the perimenopause. Yeah. Um, but together, they're especially effective in helping to reduce the symptoms that we've been discussing as we've gone along. Yeah, and that, that's often why you'll hear people say that eating your nutrients and food is better than a supplement, and that's because there are all those other components that come together that, as a and package. Yeah, work together. And help, um, you know, let it do what it needs to do in the body. For sure, for yeah. sure. All right, Suzanne, what do we have up next? So the only other um, kind of nutrient I have or think, things I want to talk about um, that would be something you could take are herbs. And herbs, uh, I'm a huge fan of herbs and tinctures when it comes to healing, and there are some especially good ones for perimenopause. My two favorites when it comes to herbs are black cohosh and chasteberry, which is also known as vitex. Um before I kind of get into that, it's important. I want to really make sure I point out that herbs are very strong and they can be dangerous in mm-hmm. certain situations. Uh, these ones are relatively mild, but you, you definitely, as we've been saying with everything else, you want to make sure, especially if you're taking any other medications, that you consult somebody yeah. or have any other health conditions. You want to consult someone um, specific to the ones you're taking before you take yeah. them. Um, black cohosh is a super herb for symptoms like hot flashes, night sweats. It can improve sexual function and libido. Hello. And also help with feelings of depression. Again, by stabilizing estrogen levels, we keep saying that. Like black cohosh, chaseberry can also help to normalize estrogen levels, but it can help relieve things like breast tenderness, cramping, uh, hot flashes, and irritability, and vaginal dryness. Um, Chaseberry, because of most of those things, it's also helpful for relieving symptoms of PMS. And so... If you have daughters that struggle with PMS, yes. it's some, that's one that my girls have used. I've used it myself too. So, um, they're, uh, yeah, so they're, they're, those are two of the best ones that I can think of that I've helped, uh, that I've had or used personally that have helped. 
Adaptogens are another category that herb of herbs that can be super helpful during this period because they're great for stress and adrenal health. Uh, adaptogens work in your body to basically adapt to what you need. So if you need some Um, again, this is not really technical terms, but if you need things to kind of rev up and get going, adaptogens can help you with that. So energy, things like that. If you need them to calm down and be kind of quieter and softer and less active, they can help do that. And they kind of do, they just, it's, they're kind of cool because they work the way your body needs them. So again, if you need a boost, it'll give you a boost. If you need some calming, it'll it'll calm you. So it helps the body to better resist and adapt to stress or stressful situations. So it's a great support for the adrenals. Um, The topic of adaptogens, like so many of the other topics, can go on for an entire podcast, really. But some of the ones that... Um, if you, if you haven't seen them already, when you start to dig into this, you'll, you'll see them come up more and more, uh, ashwagandha, rhodiola, shisandra berry, uh, Siberian ginseng, licorice or licorice root and tulsi or holy basil. Those are two, or those are two, those are a list of, of, um, adaptogenic herbs that can provide relief for, many of the symptoms that we go through during perimenopause. I think we're, so we're pretty close to the end here. We've covered a whole lot of stuff, but just before we finish, I do want to talk a little bit about stress. So we mentioned that one of the main causes of perimenopausal symptoms is adrenal health or adrenal fatigue, exhaustion. And for anyone that's not aware, our adrenals are basically what our body uses to, or well, they help us out when we're in, when we're in stressful situations. So they help to kind of Fight counteract or, or exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, let's be honest though. Many women go through many, many years coping with stress or dealing with just general stresses of life. Even just having one baby is such a huge stress on the body, mentally yeah. and physically. Um, and then you've got all the trials and tribulations of motherhood. Um, and then, and that's if, again, if you only have one, it's hard enough. If you have more, it's even more so or more stressful and can have, be more taxing on oh, your adrenals. Exponential. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and, and that's not even taking into account any outside stressors that we deal with right. on top of, you know, life and jobs and, and yeah. family and everything else. So for the most part, many of us get through it all as we do, uh, but it's not really all that, um, it's, it's no wonder that it all can come to a head by the time we get to this point in life, right? right? So two of the causes of perimenopause um, or perimenopausal symptoms are from the fluctuating hormones that we talked about and adrenal exhaustion. Because really, as women, we most of us, not not all of us, some of them are are just able to cope with everything and that continues through life. But most of us, we, we spend so much time being so much for everybody else. We uh, neglect ourselves. Absolutely. At the cost or at the, the expense of our own, well, our own health. And as long as we're getting through it and it's all fine and we don't think there's anything, you know, look at us, we're getting through and we're doing, we're being super women as we like to do. But 
Um, but then you get to a point where your adrenals are just, they're, they're tired. Um, and that coupled with all the other changes we have going on in life. So, um, it, it's in, in the importance of adrenals, the adrenal glands at this point in life are, um, kind of increased because they're what takes that though they take over in the uh, production of sex hormones once the ovaries stop producing. Yeah. So it's not, and, and that's not really well known, I don't think. So, um, so being able to manage your stress, um, and understanding what can happen if, or, or why it's important to manage that stress um, physically, what goes on in your body is important, I think. So stress depletes vitamins. So there's your, I mean, yeah. you talked about well, how it the, depletes. If you've got a adrenal fatigue because it's overstressed and then you hit perimenopause, your adrenals are not able to support you right. through that perimenopause. And if you've gone through all these years, again, that we yeah. just talked about of stressful situations, just normal stress. So I'm not even talking about big, yeah. you know, catastrophic the, stuff. Things just you don't life. necessarily predict. Exactly. Right. Exactly. So you get to this point in your life and a lot of us are deficient in many of those nutrients that we talked about. Um, B vitamins, magnesium, zinc, and vitamin C are all very easily just uh, depleted or, or or used up during stressful times. So if your stress level is elevated, which I mean, let's just say right now during COVID, it probably right? is. <laughs> we've all we've been I'll a year. Absolutely, yeah. right. So um, chances are good that you're in need of a little vitamin boost. Um, it also stress can also make your cortisol levels go all wacky. Well, then you've got, a, you're affecting your sleep, your digestion, your mood, weight gain around the middle that Kim talked about, it even accelerates aging. So coping with stress and learning to better manage your reaction to stressful situations will help with everything, but it will especially help during this oh, period yeah. of life with perimenopausal symptoms. Stress is linked to every everything. negative everything. condition that you may experience. Yeah. Temporary, permanently. Yeah, it's not good. With without necessary, there are times you need that fight or flight reaction. But no, no. But so, and even food has a profound effect on adrenal health. So, if you're eating certain foods, um, or or eating certain foods can actually stress your body. So, anything that you're eating that your body's sensitive to, Kim mentioned sense food sensitivities, sugar. We talked about last week how bad and inflammatory it is to the body. Even gluten. So these can cause systemic inflammation in the body and when that happens cortisol levels increase yeah. so uh, as you'd ex- and also too as you'd expect um caffeine is also stressful on the body and now it depends on the person but too much caffeine every day can mess with the cortisol rhythm and the and the cortisol rhythm the highs and the lows when it's supposed to kick in and when it's supposed to ease off that's how your your sleep you know, so there goes your good night's sleep. That's no wonder really that caffeine affects it, but that's kind of how it can affect it. But it's not just caffeine. It can be even, again, relatively what you would expect to be benign foods that really don't work well in your body. Right. Um, so yeah, so those, those are, stress is such a huge, I really can't say enough about stress. I feel like I could talk about that forever. Um, but again, we've talked enough about it now. I just really want to make the point that um, the 
managing your stress through things like we've talked about this yes. before yoga. Uh, yoga exercise light light exercise meditation mm-hmm. uh deep breathing um healthy diet yeah right i mean mm. again those are all of these things that we've talked about will help your your overall um health but they will 100 percent help to manage these symptoms that we've been told um our whole lives to expect because this is what's going to yeah. happen but it really is caused by this imbalance and and there are ways to alleviate certainly make it better yeah. if not get rid of them completely yep. okay so we've spent a long time this is a long one talking about it um it's a big topic it is a big topic topic so i'm just going to really quickly summarize so perimenopause is a time in your life when your reproductive health or not necessarily health but you're not going to be able to reproduce after coming to an end coming to an end um and then menopause is diagnosed after you've missed a period for 12 consecutive months this is um a concern to women because with menopause comes the increased risk of bone loss weight gain and cardiovascular disease Mm -hmm. we talked about the foods to eat so healthy proteins omega-3s whole grains fruit and veggies stay away from sugar refined carbs and processed foods and try to find out what you're sensitive to absolutely exercise regularly and the nutrients that we identified as being important um, magnesium b complex b6 zinc vitamin e and vitamin c and finally manage your stress which is easier said than done i know but like anything, it takes practice and can be done. So that wraps up this episode on perimenopause. Um, How to get rid of those symptoms that I've we've been so, told. so much from yeah. you, Suzanne. Just, yeah, so. yeah. It's my jam. It's I really your, do like yeah. doing this. Um, <laughs> so thank you for listening. As always, we're looking for feedback and suggestions. So if you have the time, shoot us a message on what you'd like to hear or feedback. Love to hear it. We both enjoy doing this uh, very much, and it's great to get feedback so that we can continue to improve and choose topics that are of interest to you, sure. our relevant, listeners. Relevant yeah. to the wonderful people that we have yeah. listening Not to just us. what Suzanne and I find interesting, but what you guys find interesting. Um, make sure you subscribe to our podcast yeah. on iTunes, Spotify, Google, Google Podcasts. and Google Podcasts. This will help us reach more listeners. And we really appreciate the time you give us to listen to these because speaking of reducing stress, we know how busy life is for everyone. So thank you. Yeah, and we hope that you find it helpful because there are these are things that really they help and they're not necessarily well known. So right. getting the yeah. word out is, is yeah. really what this is all about. So thanks again, and we hope you listen in next week. See we'll you like, next week. Not sure what our topic is, but promise you it'll be informative. Take care.